0: Hello everybody! Welcome to episode 7 of Drop the Needle in the Haystack, a podcast where we, using the amazing Forgetify web app, take a listen to tracks on Spotify that have, until this point, not been played. Uh, This is episode 7, and I'm Robbie, and I'm joined by Eric and Matt, as usual, but we also have a special guest to this episode. Eric?
1: Yeah, let me introduce our good friend, Chelsea D'Souza. Chelsea D'Souza is a Steinway young artist from Mumbai, India. She has won four All India Piano Competitions, the 2010 IIYM International Piano Competition, a host of other competitions. She has degrees in politics and in piano performance and vocal accompanying from Oberlin College and Conservatory. She also holds degrees from the Peabody Conservatory and is currently pursuing her DMA at the Shepherd School of Rice University. Chelsea, why don't you say hello to everyone?
2: Hi, Eric, Matt, Robbie. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited.
0: Of course, thanks for coming on.
3: We're happy to have you here.
1: All righty. Well, we're going to hop right into the show. But first, we have a brief sponsored message today's sponsor is 10 mitts tired of those metal gloves that promote bad cutting form in the kitchen can't seem to keep your fingers together buy 10 mitts and experience perfect cutting form like never before 10 mitts mittens for your kitchen
3: well thank you for that eric
0: he did it again
3: i'm a I little did confused it it's okay you don't need to understand it because none of us do so, Eric, why don't you introduce our first selection for today?
1: Yes. So, for our first selection, we have Only One Man by Julio de Boglacios. I'm not going to give too much of an introduction right now. We'll talk about it, um, I think, after we've listened to it once.
2: One man has to hold out his hand To have we mean that love him so much They want to undress me To feel and caress me For so many years I've been touched Oh, you're lucky
1: I was telling everyone earlier that i actually got this track up on forgetify probably two weeks ago and i listened to it once and i thought it was serious so i didn't want to include it in the podcast i was a little well you know i i wasn't really sure what to say about it and i didn't want to make fun of this guy but then i looked it up this week and i realized this guy's a comedian so it's totally fun to laugh at the song um (laughs) <laughs> Relax, everybody. I know everyone's
0: real tense, gripping their seats about us. To, we're going to make a mean joke, but no, it's a joke, so you can uh, laugh at it if you want to.
1: Yeah, so let me give some context to this song. Um, Julio Doubleglacias is a character from British comedian Russ Abbott. And Russ is an English musician, comedian, and actor. He was born in Chester, and he kind of blew up in the 1970s a british (laughs) oh this guy (laughs) this guy okay with uh
0: i got jokes too everyone (laughs) we got jokes besides fake infomercials
1: (laughs) with british comedy show band the black abbots and then he later forged like a prominent solo career as a television comedian and had his own weekly show on british television that i think was called the Russ, Russ Abbott show something like that there is a video associated with this song so we'll be dropping that in like our Instagrams Twitters all that stuff because he sells it pretty well I think in video form a little bit funnier to see him in character but just talking about the music for a bit you know what do you guys think that he's really parroting here you know what is what is he tapping into for this kind of song Robbie, what do you think?
0: Well, to me, it kind of seems like a, a take on the oh boy, I'm really having trouble starting this thought. The kind of uh, orchestras in big bands that were popular in the '50s and '60s variety shows. You think maybe like someone like Desi Arnaz and whatever his his thing was, actually in the the show, right? Where you'd have this like cabaret act, right? And it's like, uh, yeah, cabaret is probably a good word for it, right? This kind of very slickly written string parts or very pop string parts kind of florid melodies and stuff absolutely
1: as soon as you yeah as soon as you said like daytime television i started thinking like the price is right and can kind of like imagine that kind of sound maybe not those lyrics but the sound in the background what do you think matt
3: it's it's like the uh the studio orchestra sound, uh, for lack of a better word, you know, when right. they had like the uh, the in-house studio orchestra with, yeah, cabaret is a good way to put it. These guys almost like parody themselves. And I mean, we've all seen kind of like an iteration of this character in at least some kind of movie or like an old TV show. For me, I mean, it's this, hes he's obviously kind of trying to portray this larger than life character who is like, you know, women adore him. Makes me think a little bit, I don't know why, just comes to mind, um, the movie Coco. Do you guys, do you guys familiar with that one? Oh, I love Coco. Yeah, with, um, you know, he's looking for his, he, he assumes like the, the famous guitarist singer and like that right. guy who's, he's like really high on himself, you know? Like that character right. of the big entertainer who's just like really high on himself. And maybe even the name Julio Double Glazius is kind of alluding to this kind of Devonair kind of character. But Chelsea, why don't don't you offer some thoughts on this one?
2: You know, the first thing I thought of when I listened to it was my grandmom watching TV. I feel like this is a song that she would have really enjoyed. You know, this kind of very overt, dramatic acting and this character, but then you have, like you guys mentioned this big band sound in the background, very typical wedding big band music. You know, so it's like entertainment, parody, but also just the kind of music people listened to at that time.
3: I mean, the song that immediately came to mind for me was uh, Your Mother Would Know by the Beatles. Or Your Mother Should Know, perhaps. And I don't know uh, that's what the song. Goes. Oh come on. That's the one <laughs> they're like walking down this big, you know, set staircase and like singing the song about like a song that your your mother would know, your mother would know and in the music video you can see one of them almost trip down the stairs like with their instrument but even that it was the beatles doing a parody of this kind of song
2: what year did okay. this what did this get released i don't know what year was this music video
1: this was in the 70s um, sometime i wanna okay. say 74 75 but i can double check that
2: so it's probably coming at a time where this music was still very you know popular or at it's least just that the character is a parody.
3: Yeah, at least the music was still fresh in, like, kind of the public psyche, like, pop mm-hmm. psyche. Um, even, like, the, the musical features themselves, kind of, they have that, what, it's like a circle of fifths kind of progression with that bass line that's just alternating back and forth between the root and the fifth, going, like, the bum, 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 bum like that.
0: I, I think the 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 in studio orchestra is kind of a, a good lens to look at it through because it also reminds me of like, all the, the the talk shows. Uh, Matt, you slap your head at, you were slapping I've, your forehead there. I've I've got to
3: stop us because my dog literally just threw up on my feet. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> he just ran straight up the stairs, lay <laughs> down under my desk, and just heaved right onto. <laughs> Into my toes.
2: No, oh, stop! Please, don't, can you please include that sentence?
3: Don't. Yeah, it, don't worry, it's going stop, in the podcast. My dog eating.
2: just threw up over my feet.
3: I gotta, I gotta stop us right now. So, <laughs> okay. um, I'll be right back.
1: Uh, sure. While you're gone, um, I need to make a small correction. So this album came out in 1983, and uh Russ Abbott's Madhouse was also the name of his comedy special. So it's the name of the album. I guess also the name of the TV like show he hosted for a number of years.
0: It's like British Mad TV, old British Mad TV.
1: Yeah, and it looks like it ran from 1980 to 1985, and then got picked up again in 1986 until <laughs> sorry, I'm a while. Watching. Yeah, sorry, watching. we're watching Matt clean watching. up his dog's uh, Silently vomit. Silently pantomime the cleaning. <laughs> hey. So uh, for our viewers at home, Matt is frantically cleaning dog vomit off of his floor. Off it's got a feet. big roll. Yeah, big roll of paper towels. Mm. And what are the odds?
0: Uh, he got well. Pretty the, good, apparently. I guess so. Well, if the feet are the best body part to vomit on. I would say, if I had to pick one, it's got to be the feet.
1: It's got to be the feet for sure. Not the hands. Not the hands. No, oh, with the hands, I guess the cleanup is easier because you just, you know, you walk right over to the garbage and throw it away, you know? Just
0: <laughs> what the one the throw up <laughs> you're holding in your hands?
1: Yeah, if it if it vomits on the hands, you know?
0: Gross. I love Matt mucking to the camera. Can he hear us? Yeah. We no, can't he hear can't him. No, us.
1: No, he's...
2: Oh, he's not wearing his earphones. He's
1: not wearing his headphones.
2: So talk shit about him, guys. Oh, but oh. that's not yeah. fun if he can't hear us. We'll he hear fun. it on
0: the podcast later. <laughs> This will be a mystery part of the show for matt he won't know what we
1: did <laughs> yeah maybe dog must have just eaten that's rough feel <laughs> so bad for the dog <laughs> that's rough.
2: why did it choose matt's feet or the smell um, of matt's feet really grossed him out <laughs>
1: it Ooh, that's it a that's a kicker maybe it's matt's a... fault yeah yeah let's play matt for this let's
2: play matt
1: we normally blame him anyway this was we... part for the course
2: excellent timing
1: well the good news is we can go right into your selection Jealousy, because we would pretty much wrap that up. Sure. Yeah. What a segue.
0: We should, yeah. <laughs> maybe he's just like, I'm trying to help the show, guys. Anytime I, ba- I barf on Matt's feet, that's when you should wrap it up. That's it's an the interest,
2: Special interest item.
1: <laughs> Look at that shit-eating grin. Sorry, vomiting. <laughs> <and>
2: grin. <laughs> How are you doing, Matt?
3: That felt. That was great. He was literally laying downstairs on the floor, like at my parents' feet. Shot up and just ran up the <laughs> stairs did a circle under my desk and then I just I just hear faintly through my headphones <laughs> and I'm like no no fucking
2: uh,
3: yeah it's a safe place I no, he hides where under the here place when, he
2: like doesn't like at all it's
3: it's he hides under my desk when like it's raining or like during a thunderstorm so yeah, I guess it's
1: a safe place yeah it's where you felt the most comfortable you know
3: to throw up yeah, so I don't even remember what we were talking about. That train oh, of thought is completely gone.
1: It's okay. We're moving on to the next, uh, yeah, to, to the Chelsea's next. thing anyway. We pretty much wrapped it
3: up. I guess that's a bit that can go into the, mm-hmm. the dog thing. throwing up on his feet.
2: Okay, so this was actually one of the first tracks I came up on, on for Godify, and I just really loved it. It's called My Turn by a band called Miss Fairchild. they describe themselves as an r b's modern show band and they're currently based in boston and actually still performing well presumably post pandemic
1: i don't know where to turn
0: and i don't know
2: so I don't know about you guys but I'm really into these songs that have like one line with just the singer and then suddenly the beat drops and you have this really groovy funky vibe going on right
3: yeah it's sick I like it because it creates that little suspense of like what's gonna happen and I think didn't we have that sort of a similar thing with uh what was it ghosts where it was like that heterophonic kind of opening between like the instruments and here we had that again with like that single kind of guitar doubling the singer's melody there before like the actual like beat started
2: right and they've got a really funky bass line going the whole time right and of course that bass line is i think the biggest contributor to their their vibe i i mean i have to read out what they what they put on their facebook page to describe themselves yeah please share that with (laughs) us
3: because that's a gem of writing
2: So this is actually a quote from the Boston Phoenix, which they seem to have really liked because that's their byline. It's imagine if Prince from the beautiful experience era and Justin Timberlake minus the N-sinkers hooked up to make an album. It would have mad sassy, make you wanna pour milk all over your body kind of consequences. Miss Fairchild is creamy and smooth, like the milkshake you never want to stop sucking on.
3: What does, why why pour milk? Is it like yeah. when you have something hot that you have to pour milk on it?
2: I think it's probably just the creaminess, right? Like that juicy bass line, <laughs> right? I mean, it's pretty, uh, if you think about it, it's like a very slick groove. On their website, they call themselves musical sex.
3: You heard it from the horse's mouth here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> pour milk
2: so if that doesn't make you want to check them out more.
3: I like the comparisons, though, to Prince, because... That that one just makes a lot of sense to me, Prince and like James Brown. Yeah, like the instrumental style of like the bass line and that guitar—that's just that screams Prince and James Brown to me.
1: Absolutely,
2: right. Uh, but high register strumming in the in the middle, yeah. And it's kind of what you
0: get in a lot of uh, that classic funk music, or, or the those that take influence from that, right? It, uh, or maybe this is just how I think of It's all these rhythmic, rhythmic phrases, right? That's kind of like the whole bit of the song. It's the rhythm of the bassline, da 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 da, and that's sort of what really propels it forward. And you hear that a lot. And I think James Brown is a good, good comparison. And Prince is good. The Bo- We should get the Boston. What was it? The Boston Herald? The Boston Sun? Boston Phoenix. Boston, not even close. Boston <laughs> Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> we should get them on the show <laughs> the whole paper
3: there's something also the style is like immediately recognizable right mm-hmm. as soon as you hear that that voicing for the guitar with that like tight i think it's like the there's that third right at the top of the voicing for that strum pattern that da 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 with the chromatic step down and then back up again in like that kind of call and response for like the, you know the singer says a line and it almost seems like the Instrumental ensembles like answering back, you know, that style is like you immediately the image comes to mind, right?
2: Right, and it's like that seventh chord that yeah. doesn't act like a resolving to, you know,
3: the, that non functional seventh chord for all our theory nerds out there.
2: Yeah, hope you <laughs> noticed that.
1: <laughs> so, um, I just did some quick internet sleuthing. I am sad to say, Robbie, that the Boston Phoenix is now defunct and probably won't be rising from the
2: ashes.
1: (laughs) Ah, Gone
0: too soon.
2: Well, at least they got this one excellent review in. Right.
0: One good one before the end. That's the most any of us can hope for. (laughs) We should have Matt's dog vomit on him on every episode
3: (laughs) now. Sorry, guys. But yeah, did did you have any other uh, kind of info you wanted to share about this one, Chelsea?
2: Um, I think I mean, that's about it. I found it kind of interesting that I went on their website and there was very little about the people who are in the band. They have a couple of fo- posters that show like three dudes, you know, holding their like guitars, but there's very little information about who these people are, which makes me feel like this is like a local band that plays a lot of local shows. And I feel like it would be really cool to get to hear them live you know
3: there's something about that too i would love to hear them live i feel like they'd be really strong performers live especially because of the way that the singer sounded like that voice is very distinct that's a very distinct singing style yeah. it
2: made me think of wolfbeck a little bit i yeah. think you know it's very like chill in a way that makes you want to listen to more
3: when was that album recorded uh 2008 it's just, uh... wow it's not
1: quite an album; more it's
3: like, like an, a, EP. Yeah, Little EP. an EP. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because I would have said like that makes sense because there seems to be like a resurgence of interest in like that older ish styles of music with like you know Wolfpack kind of resurrecting like the Carol King sound, but I mean if this was two thousand eight, then I've got I've got nothing on the cultural relevance of that for now.
1: Yeah, because what like the last probably four years we've really heard a return in the the funk kind of sound in our popular music
3: like Dirty Loops or Snarky Puppy.
1: I mean, you could go back farther for Snarky Puppy, but even like really, really mainstream music has really embraced funk in the last few years. I'm trying to think uh, specifically like Downtown, which was a collaboration between Macklemore and someone else. Uh, What was the really big one that uh, you heard on the radio constantly Ah, uh, oh, uptown,
2: up-town funk. funk, yeah. Oh yeah, funk, you that's know. Right, right. Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: Bruno, Bruno Mars, Mars, what was that album? Uh, Twenty four Karat Magic or something? Jukebox.
2: I think it
0: was something. Jukebox sounds right to me.
3: Yeah, <laughs> but um, oh yeah, that's right. Bruno Mars really had he like had a big retro phase that I think really sparked public interest in in kind of like throwback, right? Or even Daft Punk, right? When Daft Punk went kind of more mainstream, when Get Lucky was really big, that was like a big disco throwback album. Yeah. I wonder also if you could attribute a little bit to, this is more niche, but like Jacob Collier.
2: I think this is a little bit maybe pre-Jacob Collier. He's only been around for the last seven years, you know, since his first famous video.
3: Oh, yeah. I just meant like also with kind of recent uh, interest in, in oh, old yeah. retro style music.
1: Yeah, when, what is Miss um, Fairchild's uh, latest album? When was their latest release,
3: Matt? Can Take you check a look. real quick? looks like 2013. Yeah, that's I hope they're still around. Choban.
2: I mean, oh, that's they, their they
3: dropped. Oh, wait, this one says 2019, and then before okay, that...
1: Okay, so they put know. out a
3: single in 2019. I
2: wow. mean, it sounds like their whole vibe is, like, entertaining people, right? I mean, even look at the song titles. Like, go back to those singles, Matt. That was, like, Life of the Party, Show Band, right?
3: Kind of serious. yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, actually, they've got a pretty sizable repertoire here.
2: Yeah. It yeah. reminds me of um, I when I was in New Orleans and I happened upon this music festival that was on the bayou. It was called Bayou Boogaloo. And there was a band that played there that I never heard of. It was like a local Houston or New Orleans band. I can't remember. And it was a very similar vibe. I feel like there are a lot of local bands that are kind of going down this funk route and like writing stuff. In that kind of vibe, just to entertain, like playing at bars and playing at local shows.
3: Yeah, that, that yeah. makes sense. I remember you talking about that band too. Like you showed me the recording that you took on your Google. Yeah, Pixar. I mean,
2: it's just it's it's a really fun time, you know. I think they were called the Suffers.
3: So if you're out there listening, please feel free to contact us so you can be on the show.
2: (laughs) The Boston Phoenix just collapsed, so we need a new guest. (laughs) No, but if you worked at the Boston Phoenix, get in touch with these guys.
1: Yeah, whoever wrote that article.
3: All right. um, Shall we move move on on to to, you, Matt? uh, Yeah, to my selection for this week. I, again, I kind of like just... uh, dropping the needle on these ha 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 and not spoiling anything too much
0: <laughs> this is why your dog vomited on you <laughs> are
2: you sure you don't want to share the name
3: so this is called a uh, ragtime trip hop and it's by mark Burnbaum. and i'm just gonna let it play for a good 30 seconds here <laughs> So you pretty much get the idea there, and we, uh, we did a little bit of listening through the rest of the album, and that's pretty much the style that we're going for here, just kind of a straight fusion of like hip-hop beats with ragtime and rag-era like piano playing. So I was actually able to do a little bit of digging on uh, Mark Birnbaum here, and that's actually him in the album art there. I'll, I'll just go ahead and read some of this directly off this little uh, web page. If you love jazz music, ragtime music, and the New York City nightlife, then chances are you have heard about one of the greatest blues piano players named Mark Birnbaum. Famous for his eccentric and flamboyant dress attire and outfits, Mark Birnbaum stands out among the crowds in New York City as he walks the east side of Manhattan. And yeah, this, uh, the rest of this write-up here goes on to say that he was really inspired to create ragtime trip-hop as a concoction of sorts that ended up being blended into what has been called a funky Brian Eno influenced trip by many who listened to it. yeah, I mean, what can we say about ragtime because it was kind of a honestly a short-lived moment in, in like American music history, right? How Please did don't... it interact here with like hip hop?
0: It's kind of uh, fusion seems like well, it, it, that's certainly it's mixed together but it's almost like grafted on top of really. It's kind of like almost you hit two CD players that have two different things at the same time. It leads to an interesting uh, effect rhythmically. It was, it's kind of disorienting at first to hear, you know, the the stride, the striding left hand with uh, this break beat here.
2: I think it's funny you say hit the play button on two, um, CD drives, because it reminded me of, like, the phasing, right, that, like, Steve Reich did with his right. early right. tape recordings, because, I mean, within every, like, big beat, all of those little beats that are being articulated in that classic hip-hop, the thing that's going on, like, they never quite line up, right, with the ragtime, because it's just a completely different rhythm, mm-hmm. but the big beats line up, right, so it's this feeling very out of phase within every... Signpost,
0: Right. It's kind of like in jazz, sometimes you talk about playing on the back of the beat or or leaning on the back end of the beat. That's sort of the impression I got with uh, listening to it.
2: And it's also this sort of contrast between a very mechanical hip hop beat that's just going nonstop no matter what. And, you know, if he's a blues pianist, then he's going to be playing that ragtime, which is a little more flexible Mm. within each measure. Right. So I I felt that very strong contrast between like man and machine. this (laughs) poetic
1: yeah I wanted to go back to something you said for a second Chelsea you mentioned Steve Reich and um, for those of you at home who aren't familiar with that name Steve Reich is a minimalistic composer very famous throughout the 20th and 21st century he's still with us and his music is famous for he was famous for doing some of the early electronic works like um, with tape recorder what, what Chelsea said, um, and also works that basically are focused on blending, creating interesting like polyrhythms and blends through the, the notation and through the music being produced. Matt, do you have anything more you can kind of add about Steve Reich? I'm not super familiar with how to describe kind of minimalistic music.
3: Well, uh, the thing that Steve Reich really pioneered was the idea of of phasing in music. And he would accomplish this either with rhythmic phasing, wherein he would shift one part of the beat over after repeating perhaps like a two-bar phrase over and over again. Then one player shifts over by an eighth note while the other continues on as they were before. And then he had the more mechanical phasing, which you're talking about, which he would achieve via tape. Uh, The most famous one was It's Gonna Rain where he just had a recording looping of someone saying, it's gonna rain. And then one, the recording starts shifting back by like a millisecond. So it it starts kind of reconciling and then not lining up and creating interesting, just kind of uh, occurrences by happenstance. And it's kind of uh, more of an experiment and just seeing what happens with that kind of phasing. And I think the reason why we're getting that effect with this one is like, as Chelsea said, yeah the machine is just going. I get the feeling that this is just a strict drum loop. And I almost wonder if he recorded himself without hearing that drum loop, because I feel like it would have been really hard to ignore that strict hi-hat, like just hitting the 16th notes while trying to play on the back of the beat with this. uh, I liked the word you used, Robbie. I think it's the correct technical term, that striding left hand of the piano.
0: Yeah, it would be hard to reconcile these two things at once as a performer, right? It would—it sort of would take an element of ignoring maybe part of the rhythm or or really focusing on a different maybe pulse or or just awareness of what you're doing. Speaking of Steve Reich, there is this one for people who may not be familiar or haven't heard his music, I think a good one to start with maybe Uh, It's called clapping music. Is that right? Music for clapping? Yeah, it's clapping music.
1: Yeah, Yeah, clapping music.
0: And that's a really good example of really straightforward. And yeah, here I am clapping into my microphone (laughs) as if to illustrate my point. I think that's a really good example of, uh, or it really kind of demonstrates the idea very clearly and in a very simple and interesting kind of way.
3: But I like this idea of um, attempting to fuse ragtime with trip hop because ragtime is a genre of American old, popular music that was entrenched entirely upon its, its uh, function as dancing music. Every ragtime rhythm served the purpose of a certain kind of dance. I mean, there were cakewalk rhythms, there were certain types of trots, like foxtrot, and I think this was a really cool experiment in, you know, fusing hip hop, which is literally just using rhythms to create dance rhythms, with another older form of dance rhythm. So it was a pretty neat experiment and a cool concept to pursue with a, an album here.
2: I think we yeah. would be omitting something if we didn't talk about the fact that ragtime came from the African American music scene and so does hip hop, right? And mm-hmm. here we have an artist who's sort of taking them out of context and fusing them to create something, but that's not a proper fusion, right? In the sense we think of collaboration to create something new. You guys wanted Yeah. It's to it's that?
1: certainly I think you make a really good point. And it's weird because it is sort of like this grafting, like Robbie said earlier, where it's not quite a a full fusion. You know, We're not taking elements from both and combining them to create something new. We are literally taking a hip hop beat in a very, like you said, kind of mechanical one. It's not necessarily something you hear in hip hop, in modern hip hop, like this kind of really forward beat like that, and then also taking ragtime and just placing one on top of the other. But for me, I'm not sure what the experiment was designed to accomplish. Like certainly this isn't something I've heard before. And and on, on its own right, it's interesting and I guess elicits some kind of reaction. You know, I I'd say to myself, "Oh, that's, you know, that's interesting. I haven't heard that before." But what is he trying to accomplish here? And why trip hop? Why is it ragtime trip hop? Why the name why throw in trip
3: yeah i really do want to hark uh, or harp on the point that this is definitely i don't think the point of this experiment was to achieve like a true kind of fusion here i think the juxtaposition that we've all kind of noticed that this is just almost crudely just layered on top of each other was the point of probably the experiment i don't think there was supposed to be just from the other tracks we listened to also it doesn't seem like there was, uh, the point was to create like a well-integrated fusion of both ragtime truly interacting with hip hop beats in like a meaningful way. Almost, sorry, what was that last bit that you were saying, Eric?
2: Really, Eric, yeah. I just, uh, it seems that there is an existing genre, well, not existing now maybe, but there is a genre that originated in the 90s in the UK called trip hop. And it's been been described as a fusion of hip hop and electronica until neither genre is recognizable. So they kind of use a lot of different styles. I mean, some of the ones they've listed here are R and B and house funk soul. Yeah. So it seems like trip hop is already a fusion. And then he's adding on this ragtime thing. You
3: know what also this brings to mind is a, I don't want to say, better, but it's certainly becoming more popular, Uh, fusion of new and old. Uh, Has anyone here listened to like New Swing?
2: Is that a group or a genre? (laughs) It's a genre, Genre. it's
3: like N-U. Oh,
2: I see. Like
3: New new Metal,
1: but New Swing.
3: So New Swing, or or sometimes it's called Electro-Funk, is, um, I think Caravan Palace is the best representation of this genre mashup. Right, right, right. Robbie, you've got it, yeah. Caravan Caravan Palace. Palace. It's a really cool genre of music that I I quite enjoy where they uh, kind of take old samples of like old jazz singers. So maybe like Chet Baker or something like that. And they put, they actually make a good electro beat that goes underneath it. And they do some kind of processing like, you know like some low filter or high filter passes and like side chain compression. It's a really cool genre that I think takes this idea and actually achieves a really cool and like refreshing result. I'd recommend, yeah, if you just want to check out like Caravan Palace, there. It's, it's, it's a fun time.
0: I like their song, Lone Digger.
3: Yeah, Lone Digger is really good. So, Shall we move on to our last selection? This is uh, Robbie's selection now.
0: Sure. My selection is uh, by Willie Heaton and the track is you can be replaced so why don't we go ahead and listen to a little of this and then we can talk about it
3: all right let me just bring it to the five second marker here the very important five-second stop
0: very important this is so important if you're listening at home five seconds
3: oh sorry that was six. Oh god bad. right here on the five there we right. go
0: Uh, kind of actually a good segue then, because this is another uh, genre of music that is really influenced by the African-American experience, Uh, this early R&B and this uh, blues recordings. But first, I'll tell you a little bit about, I can't minimize, Damn it! I do this every time I try to (laughs) minimize the Zoom recording, but you can't if you're recording it. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Willie Heathen himself. So he was never uh, kind of a substantial national act or national hit or anything like that, but he did record a good amount of uh, uh, sides for Dootsie Williams and his his label, Dew Tone. And an interesting thing I saw on his bio here, he was working as a shoeshine man in Los Angeles when the owner of that record label uh, heard his singing and, and really enjoyed it, so he decided to bring him in and sign him for a label. We ha- you know, had this conversation sort of about rhythms, and I, I think this is another interesting kind of rhythmic thing or rhythmic language to talk about right uh, the the blues especially has has had a long history of all sorts of transformations and all sorts of just different versions and um, things like that but one of the interesting things I think on this track and especially in the the piano it's it's sort of this triplet based swinging underneath it but what you hear a lot in the piano Uh, in his playing and in some blues, early blues pianists, is almost like this this insistent trembling, you might think of it as, right? Because if we, we didn't get the introduction, but the introduction has more of these triplets that almost sort of veer off into trills. I don't know, I keep coming back to like the word vibrating, right? It's this vibrating, pulsing energy that seems to emerge out of this triplet rhythm. I don't know, what do you guys think?
2: I agree. I think you're talking about those like tremolos, right? That are mm. that he does in his piano. And I think it it mirrors his voice, right? It's that really classic style of blues singing where you're trying to like convey all of this emotion, right? And so you do that through the vibrato in the voice and like how do you mirror it on an instrument? Like the piano is through those these this trembling, the tremolos that you're talking about. Right.
3: I mean, that's almost like the most iconic blues sound is that stepping chromatically up from those blue notes into the, the those parallel thirds with each other in the right hand of the piano. Mm-hmm. But what I found the most interesting actually was, I don't know if this is super stylistic, those little right hand like falling gestures, he would occasionally throw in kind of a broken descending chord in the right hand. Mm-hmm. I really liked those a lot. Um, I think they just gave a nice character and it was an Interesting way to show the harmonic information, right? Because we we think we get harmonic information from a chord, and he just kind of lightly lets us hear hear it through the rolled chord in the right hand.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is um, this is what we think of when we think blues, right? This is like quintessential oh yeah blues, you know. This is what in the 90s when Frazier was on that they were you know trying to replicate with their. Toss salad and scrambled eggs right oh, i mean but this I is it this is that. the sun no come on like it is you know this is you don't think so really
0: well first of all we have to expose eric he doesn't he did never even watch frazier don't believe me <laughs> right
1: i'm not gonna lie to you but everyone knows like that you know that, that sound Sure, maybe not the chords or like the... Or the episode of of The Office
3: where uh, Stanley tries to teach Michael how to sing the blues. And all that Michael can do is keep singing over and over again. (laughs) I think,
0: yeah, yeah, uh, it it is kind of like a classic blues theme too, right? And that's what I like also about this song. Very strong thematic stuff from a lyrical standpoint. You can be replaced. I think we've talked a few times now about... You love a song that's like... The name of the song is going to get a lot of play in the song itself, right? Because, and if you listen to the rest of it, all these phrases end with you can be replaced. And it's talking about, you know, trains replacing covered wagons and, like, the outhouse being replaced in modern houses. And so it's really kind of uh, fun lyrical stuff that all hangs together really well.
3: That's true. That was... um... With make each moment that uh, that ballad that I brought in on an early yeah, episode. Yeah, make each moment. And nice. then um, why don't why doesn't my bark no why doesn't my dog bark when you come around or something like that right? Yeah. Where we were just waiting for that that hook, the punchline almost. And I liked, again, it was very satisfying to hear the punchline for this song. Mm. You can be replaced at the end of that long phrase. All in all, good selection, Robbie.
0: Thanks, Eric. Sorry I busted your balls about Frazier again. <laughs> No, it's okay.
3: I have haven't this... watched Frasier. Eric needs that but... treatment at least once an episode.
1: At least once an episode. Should we move on to our segment where we talk about what we listened to this week? Sure! Now, before before we start, I'd like to go for Matt. Because looking, when we, when we started today's episode, and we saw the recently played list on the Spotify that he still had, you know, that he had from last week, the last played track was My Clarinet Quintet from last week's episode by Ensemble Olaxis. So, I'm just going to answer for Matt right now. Matt didn't listen to anything this week. That is
3: actually <laughs> completely false. So, the reason why your the reason why your Clarinet Quintet was still up on my Spotify is because I was trying to find it to integrate into our Instagram stories. I couldn't find the track in because the Spotify Instagram thing, I don't think it seems to be operating on the same search engine that actual Spotify is. And I was trying to get the exact, like, the umlaus and the exact spelling for all of the words in the title to try and type it in. So I I had to pull up your track so that I could go to the album to look up all the information. And I couldn't even put it on Spotify because Eric has to put clarinet in the episodes now. (laughs) So I did listen to things. Eric. Yeah,
1: so I went for the brutal takedown and it didn't work. Oh, yeah,
0: it didn't work. Putting up some air balls. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, Matt, no, why don't you go then? Why did you no, listen? No. I uh, I think I'm a little late to the, to the party here, but I was listening a lot to Porter Robinson's single uh, Something Comforting. It's a really cool track. It reminds me a lot of the last big track that he had, um, Shelter, same kind of energy. And I really like it. It has this kind of bittersweet uh sound to it you know when like you know when like the music sounds happy but the lyrics are sad as hell it's like one of those so that's something comforting by porter robinson
2: okay i remember actually one of the one thing i listened to this week was the latest npr tiny desk video because one of my friends from undergrad just won their tiny desk competition and um and you know the news came out early on in the pandemic so of course they couldn't go in and record their Little Tiny Dust Concert at the NPR building. So they did it on top of the Javits Center in New York. Uh, So you guys should check it out. It's a great vibe. Um, Open air, socially distanced. Little concert. Her name is Linda Diaz. She's an awesome musician. Yeah.
1: Sounds great. Be sure to check that out. Yeah. So this week, I'm not even going to mention the clarinet. I didn't listen to... A clarinet album this week, uh, but I did listen to, I went back to one of my old favorite albums, Acid Rap by Chance the Rapper. Sometimes I like just heading back there and putting that on repeat. A lot of great tracks, and of course, that's probably the album that made him blow up to begin with. Yeah, Robbie, what'd you listen to this week?
0: This week, hold on, let me get it off of my Spotify. Uh, I listened to an album called Love Lore by the band Deer Hoof, and it was quite an experience. It's like, it's like, sen- essentially, okay, stay with me. <laughs> it's a cover album, uh, but it's like five individual parts. There are like Love one, two, three, 1, 2, 3, and 4. And each of those has different snippets or like 30 to 40 to maybe like two minute long bits of a song all grouped together in these five parts. And they're really interesting. It's got everything from like Ornette Coleman to Velvet Underground, just sort of all kind of mashed together. And it's really good. I enjoyed it. That's Deer. Hoof. Say the name and album again. The uh, band's name is Deerhoof, and the album is Love Lore, and it's got a dash in between the words. Love dash lore.
1: It just seems like a centaur kind of themed. I don't know what about the name and band name that comes together, but I'm just picturing like centaurs in the middle of the forest.
3: You're thinking because it's of the deer, the deer and hoof. the lore and lore. Yeah. 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 Like Eldrick lore, you know? Do you
2: want them to be the cover band for some Lord of the Rings
3: Oh, definitely, stuff. yeah. They, they only do bardcore music. <laughs> That's right, bardcore. back to bardcore. <laughs> <laughs> I love bardcore, man. I listen to a little bit more of it. It's so dope. It's so funny. <laughs> well, Already. Should Eric give us our classic sign-off for the week?
1: No, because first, Robbie has to tell everyone that we should... Be uh, what listening or no signing up on Twitter? Do we have the Twitter now with the drop yeah, haystack? Yeah, add And drop the Facebook, you got it. Yeah, and, and the Facebook and the Instagram, you got to follow us everywhere.
3: Like, uh, well, comment
0: on the Facebook and Instagram where we drop the needle in the haystack.
3: Thank you for clarifying. All these leave things a, are important. Leave a good review on Yelp and Google and find us on those yeah. TikToks.
2: You yeah. guys are on Yelp.
3: No, we're not. <laughs> we just, we just should be on TikTok, though, no, I
2: can write a Yelp review. I, can I think it's first. too
3: late to be on TikTok now.
0: Oh, no.
2: That's true. If you haven't downloaded it already, you missed RIP. the bus. I missed the bus. Oh.
1: I missed the bus, too.
2: So you're not sure missing it. But anyway,
1: yeah, so do all those things. It really helps our analytics out. We really appreciate it. Thank you, as always, for listening. And uh, we'll catch you next week, everybody.